today's episode of the Gold Cast is sponsored by the Top 11 Podcast. That's right. It is back, and we have got quite the doozy for you. Candlestick Will, why don't you let the people know what this episode's going to be about? So this is our first attempt to kind of blend the loves um, that we have for both sports and movies. So why not uh, blend the two perfectly with the top 11 sports movies of all time? Yes, the top 11 sports movies of all time. I think this is going to be one of the most controversial ones. As we always mentioned at the beginning, we do not know what anyone else has listed. I have no idea what Candlestick Will has on his list. I have no idea what Ray has on his list. I just have a feeling we might be so far different. <laughs> we might be that that whatever your favorite top 11 sports movie is, it will most likely end up somewhere on these lists. So that's, I think, is my, my ultimate hope. But before we begin, Raymond, why don't you let them know? Where can they find us? You can. I also think this is going to be the most diverse top 11 we've ever done in terms of differences between our lists and reasons for why they're on the list. Nevertheless, you can like us on Facebook.com slash The Goldcast, and you can also follow us on Twitter at The underscore Goldcast, and be sure to subscribe to us via Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher and YouTube, all under the same moniker of the Goldcast. Like, subscribe, and comment because we like to hear from you. And we certainly want to hear your input, especially because we're talking about movies. And we know the Goldcats Nation all loves movies, especially sports films. So definitely chime in on those comments because we certainly want to hear your thoughts after and also what your take is on what you deem to be the best top 11 sports films of all time. Absolutely. And then Candlestick Will, where can they reach us specifically for the Top 11 podcast? Um, I try to make it as simple as possible. So if you go to Twitter, you can go to Top 11 Podcast, Top 11 Podcast, and uh, reply to uh, any any tweet on there or just uh, tag Top 11 Podcast so we can check it out. And once we uh, let this go live, we'll be able to send that out as well and you can share your thoughts onto that tweet as well yeah all right here we go raymond where can they find you you can find me on twitter at ray solis and on instagram at ray solis one candlestick will where can they find you best way is twitter at candlestick will and you can find me on instagram at rudy solis three and twitter at rudy solis three R-D. All right, here we go. We are back. Another Top 11 podcast coming at you. But of course, of course, the greatest podcast intro in the game. Let's go. San Francisco, are you ready? This is the Gold Cast. Boom. Welcome to another edition of the Top 11 Podcast, the only podcast that ranks 11, because 11's a way better number than 10. I'm your host, Rudy Salisa III, and with me is my brother, my co-host. Raymond Salisa first, baby. And our esteemed co-host. Candle, stick, will. Boom! All right, gentlemen, here it is. Uh, let's lay down the rules 
for the Top 11 Podcast. If this, if this is the first time you're hearing the Top 11 Podcast, shame on you. We've already done two more. Go back and listen to the other ones. They're all great. So the first one, though, the, the first rules are we always do 11. And Candlestick will explain to the people why have we chosen the number 11 besides my cheeky joke at the beginning. Why have we actually chosen 11 for our Top 11 lists? Well, it started from a place of you know, just per- personal preference for me. My uh, my wife and I were were uh, our first date was on the eleventh, so we always kind of gravitated toward that number. Um, and then, you know, when I would go do workouts, um, I would always want to do a set of eleven versus a set of ten. It just always felt like you know a way to do one more. And uh, but then when I started making lists, it's uh, to me it's perfect because. We have there's so many top 10 lists out there and to have a top 11 it feels like at least for me that you get the freedom to put like a, a favorite or an unsung hero an underrated film an underrated person you know depending on the list at that number 11 spot so i always felt like it was a way of kind of honoring a movie that or a person that would normally get an honorable mention to let them be part of the uh, part of the process because you spend so much time on top tens. It's like, why not add one more and have more fun with it? So it was always an, e- an easy thing for me from just a, a ranking standpoint, because it gave you an excuse to have one more to add, but it also to me just was a more fun way. And then I get to have that connection with my wife. So it was a, a perfect number for me. And for a lot of reasons. I love that. Actually, 11 is actually my third favorite number of all time. My favorite number is one. My favorite second number is three. And then 11 is my third. So I'm with you on that. So how we do this, folks, is what we do is we go in pieces. So we will go first through 11 through 8. Then we will go 7 through 4. Then we will deliver our honorable mentions. And then we will end with 3, 2, 1 for the biggest on this list. Everyone's going to have different reasoning. But let's start. We have kept them waiting long enough. Raymond, why don't you begin? Who? What are your 11 through 8 top 11 best sports movies of all time. I've got Moneyball, The Bad News Bears, White Men Can't Jump, and Major League. What about you, Rudy? What you got? All right. I've got Happy Gilmore, Major League, Creed, and Remember the Titans. Nice. All right. What about so you? number so at number 11, I have Brian's Song. At number 10, I have Chariots of Fire. At number 9, I have Requiem for a Heavyweight. And at number 8, I have Remember the Titans. Oh, ah, we match at 8. there. <laughs> yes. That will probably be the only time that happens on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay, Raymond, so let's start with you. Well, I picked what? Moneyball because... Uh, you know, uh, Moneyball's number eleven for a couple reasons. A, I I thought it was a ter- terrific film. I thought it was a great, you know, depiction of that era of baseball and what was Billy Bean and I forget Jonah Hill's character's name or who he is in real life. Uh, Candlestick Will, you might know who that is. Who's that? Who's the, what, the what, who? Who, Pe- what, who Peter Brand was supposed to be? Y- yes. Mm. Um, was it uh, was it the guy who's with the Giants now? Um, that went to um, uh, Toronto after the A's. Is that was he it? did something? Um, I I know he did. He ended up. Uh, I don't know. Um, 
I know Theo Epstein adopted the the philosophy in Moneyball and ended up taking the yeah the Podesta yeah yeah there you go so yeah, um, I, I love I, lo I thought the cast was terrific I thought the film was terrific it was an era of Ace Baseball that was pretty darn exciting uh, out save for the fact that they could never get past the first goddamn round <laughs> and um and you know the I I was watching baseball extensively back then I was kind of watching more A's than Giants during this era I was kind of flipping between the two but I I found the A's to be a more exciting team because of the way they managed to construct their team. I thought the fact that they did it through the farm system, which is how it's te technically supposed to work, the w the fact that they did that so efficiently and just and, and unfortunately ended up becoming the farm league for the entire league. But it was a good film. But the reason I had it on 11 is because I really detested the very ending of the film because I thought it was, to me, I took it as a slight towards Billy Bean, which... Um, I didn't agree with it all, which is why I kept it at 11. I, it could have been higher in the list had that ending been better, but that's why it's at that. And the bad news bears. Billy Bean was pissed too. I would be pissed if I if, if that was the case. Uh, that ending's uh, completely disrespectful in my opinion. But it's that's a different Aaron podcast. Sorkin. Yeah, that's uh, that's a top 11 reasons why Moneyball could have had a better ending podcast. <laughs> <laughs> So I got I got Bad News Bears at number 10 because it's just a classic underdog baseball story and really kind of, you know, one of the first baseball films I ever saw as a kid. I saw it as a kid, even though it was in the 70s. And I was but I, I saw it at the same age that all of the players were in the film. And I so I really and I was playing baseball at that time. So it really resonated with me in that regard. I love the fact that they were all just rough because I, you know, I was, you know, you me and Rudy were had some little rough around the edges parts of us that you know we let that we expressed with our peers and and, and did so in the schoolyard and and these kids were were a level above that it seems uh, smoking oh, yeah. cigarettes and drinking beer it Kelly was, just was crazy, crazy. He rode a yeah motorcycle. Kelly was crazy yes <laughs> he's still he's still a uh, uh, he's still around too he's still active I like the fact that he's still around um that that part just blew my mind and i thought it was hilarious because it was so off the wall from you know how kids really behaved you know but it, it was great and it was an underdog, underdog story very similar to rocky how that film plays out in terms of the, their rise to prominence and how they get so close to the very end and and you know kind of fall short uh, and I'm, I'm okay doing the spoiler here because if you haven't seen that it's in the 70s you're really living under a rock at this point and then we White probably Man should say, Raymond, we probably should say spoiler alerts for every movie on this list. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And White Man, can't, White Man Can't Jump, you know, it was a hustler film. It was a street basketball and probably one of the more I haven't seen a lot of basketball films. I've not in terms of seeing them from beginning to end. But White Man Can't Jump, I've seen dozens of times. I thought Woody Harrelson and Wesley Snipes was such a great had such great chemistry on the screen, especially with uh, Rosie Perez. I believe that was her film debut, if I'm not mistaken, or it could have been um, a few years before that, but I can't remember. But either way, she or she got nominated for the film. I know that, and uh, and that film is just so it's so funny, and the basketball, the shots, um, a lot of it. You know, Woody Harrelson can play 
a little bit of basketball and so can Wesley Snipes. So some of that stuff, some of the, the weird slow-mo close-up shots, I mean, that stuff is all choreographed. But there's some there's some wide shots of them doing stuff and that all has to be choreographed and you got to know, you got to have some athletic skill to do it. And it just it's comes off. aged pretty well. The basketball it comes off, it, it comes off very, well. it just comes off very natural. Like they know what they're doing on the court and it just it's just a fun film from that perspective. And you, you just root and feel for Woody Harrelson the whole time. And it was just, you know, one of the best basketball films that I've enjoyed. You know, I know there's Hoosiers and some other ones there. He got game. I know there's some other ones there. But to me, White Man Can't Jump was just so off the cuff, which is kind of it just kind of resonated with me. Part of my upbringing, bringing kind of being more of an an urban having an urban upbringing. That film kind of res that aspect of the film resonated with me more so than some of the other traditional films because I I didn't play basketball, organized basketball. I tried out, but they literally didn't have enough jerseys, and so I got cut for that reason. So I never got to live my organized basketball life, and so I had to live it in, in, in this vein through this style because I did play street ball. And so that that was fun. And then Major League, uh, for similar reasons to Bad News Bears, uh, again, you have an underdog story, a misfit group of players coming together. It, it really is about baseball. And, it, you know, it's them versus the owners, you know, veteran players like like uh, t- uh, what's Tom, not Tom Selleck. Um, I forget his, who's the, the star of the film. Like Tom Berenger. Tom Berenger, yeah, Tom Berenger and t- prime Tom Berenger too. Young prime Tom Berenger. Wesley Snipes is also in that film, and uh, I thought the, the the cast of characters was just terrific. Again, it was just a fun baseball film. It, it was grounded in reality, so real baseball physics. You know, uh, Charlie Sheen learned how to pitch for that film. And it was just such a fun. The second one was not as enjoyable, but I appreciate them at least making an effort because of the success of the first film. But yeah, it can never match what Major League uh, originally did. And so I have it on the list there. I have it up there because I think it had a better balance of the sports, the comedy, a little bit of the side drama between the characters. But I also like the the dramatic of the the way the sport was filmed towards the end when they start to actually progress into the tournament i thought that stuff was all great and it it really kind of pulled me in not to not to say that white men can't jump doesn't have it certainly has scenes like in the final tournament at the end and bad news bears has a dramatic ending too and moneyball i think the my favorite part of moneyball was when they uh go through the the 21 game or the 20 game win streak um, that part was cool. But yeah, uh, Major League, just because uh, I thought uh, the overall balance of the film was uh, more enjoyable than the, the previous films, but not by much. I like all these films. Nice. What you got, Ray? Okay, so as being a writer, uh, you know, as someone who's actively pursuing writing and has written lots of stuff here in Los Angeles, I really wanted to stick to the sports movie template. And so the sports movie template that I stuck to when defining what a sports movie is was it had the the sports template template follows a couple key has a couple key components that make it a full on sports movie. Now there's lots of movies that flirt with sports and have sports as being a big part of it. Sandlot, uh, Jerry Maguire, but the sports movie template is usually generally follows this structure. Both fun films, and, by the way. Yes, great movies, both of them. Uh, it follows this structure. It must be an athlete or a team of athletes or a coach or, in the case of Moneyball, a GM who is trying to overcome adversity to be successful in their specific sport. And that is the crux of every classic sports movie. Now, whether they succeed or not, that's always 
a little bit different. And so that is what I wanted to stick to. And there are while there's a lot of movies, as I just mentioned, Sandlot and movies like uh, Jerry Maguire, who flirt heavily with sports, I do not consider them sports movies. I consider, I actually consider uh, Jerry Maguire to be more of a com uh, a romance, a love story, maybe even flirting with more romantic comedy. And uh, Sandlot is actually just a coming of age coming of age story about a group of boys. Boys, it's about you know childhood friendship, and it's a coming of age story. Really, right. it's not a sports. Where the, movie. the sports one of the like peripheral vessels of the story. Yes, exactly. So I chose Happy Gilmore. Directed by Dennis Duggan, written by Tom Airely. I'm probably saying that wrong. Starring that Adam caught Sandler. me off guard. Interesting pick. Y- yeah, and I'll explain why. Uh, written by Adam Sandler, starring Adam Sandler, Christopher McDonald, Julie Bowen, and Carl Weathers. I chose Happy Gilmore for one reason. It is without a doubt the funniest fucking sports movie ever made. And 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 I was like, my favorite I, favorite Adam Sandler film. It is. I. I would say maybe Talladega Nights, which I I also consider a sports movie. Um, uh, it, it, I I think Happy Gilmore is the funniest effing comedy, a sports comedy of all time, and it literally had to get on the list because it was just the funniest. I'd say Bad News Bears is pretty high up there. Major League is pretty high up there, but Happy Gilmore, it's like you win because you are just literally the funniest sports movie ever made. Like if I'm gonna go funniest sports movie of all time, my first is Happy Gilmore. It is right. just Major thoroughly- League comedy is more grounded in reality and. Happy Gilmore, you know, flirts with the absurdity. Yeah, it's so farcical at times. And I, I literally put it, I'm like, I, comedy sports movies are its own genre. They still follow the template of a sports movie, but they're, but they're based heavily in comedy. And I was like, I wanted those to be represented. Remember, as I've said every time on this, I always look at my list as like an album. And I, I try to kind of hit a lot of different notes. And I wanted to start with comedy because while I love it, I don't think it beats any of the movies that are coming up, and I think the other movies that are on my list are quintessential. Um, so that's why I chose Happy Gilmore as 11, as because it's the funniest. Major League, for some of the same reasons. I put that at number 10, directed by David S. Ward, written by David S. Ward, starring Charlie Sheen, Tom Berenger, Corbin Burnson, Margaret Witten, Dennis Habert, James Gammer, Rene Russo, uh, Bob Euchre, I mean, uh, just uh, Bob Euchre. Yeah, I Bob mean, Euchre was great in that film. He's great in that movie. And um, a lot of the same things. Really funny. One of the funniest sports movies of all time. And just a great baseball movie. It's just a really good baseball movie. And it, it towed the line of having both. Now, Creed. I chose Creed at number nine, directed by Ryan Coogler, written by Ryan Coogler and Aaron Co- uh, Covington, starring Michael B. Jordan, Sylvester Stallone, Tessa Thompson, Felicia Rashad, Anthony Ballou. It this movie, Creed, to me, is one of the legacy sequels that have been really successful. You know, and legacy sequels are really big right now. And that's for, if you don't know that industry term, top 11 people, and a legacy sequel is when a, is a sequel that takes place that they do now that acknowledges the amount of time that has passed between this and the original movie. Uh, Star Wars Force Awakens, Halloween 2018. Um, the uh, Creed, these, and there's a lot of other examples, but those are some of the shining examples. This movie, to me, captured the essence of the Rocky story and really reminded us why we fell in love with that movie in the first place, but seen through the eyes of Apollo Creed's son, which I thought really, really worked. It was one of my top three favorite movies of that time. I'm a diehard. There's a couple sports that I think really lend themselves well to boxing movies, I mean, to, to sports movies, boxing, baseball, football, 
And the reason I think the three of those really lend themselves well to it is because one of the reasons is it's actually really easy to kind of choreograph around actors, those sports. Um, you know, you can you can make it work. Football is probably the hardest, but I think baseball and boxing are two of the easiest sports to have actors who don't have a tremendous amount of experience and work around the fact that they don't have a, you can edit around it and make them look better than they really are. I think basketball is really hard because of the dribbling and the dunking. And I agree. White men can't jump does an excellent job. I think basketball is really hard. Um, I think uh, and that one I think is really hard. If we're talking about the big three. So I chose Creed because I just thought it really captured the essence, but modernized it, updated it, and continued the story. I think you could go Rocky 1, 2, 3, 4, Creed, and that's probably the best choice. Just skip 5 and 6, and I think you just go right to Creed, and you're okay. Um, and then the last one I chose, Remember the Titans, directed by uh, Bose Yakin. Yakin. I apologize, I'm going to butcher some of these names. Written by Gregory Allen Howard, starring Denzel Washington, Will Patton, Donald Faison, Nicole Ari Parker. I chose it for the social relevancy. You know, uh, Remember the Titans, like some of these movies that are going to show up later in the list, Remember the Titans isn't just a great sports movie. It tackles the issue of race and sports. And this is something that follows us to this day. Shut up and dribble just happened to LeBron just a you know, just a last year, I believe that was, or the year before. I mean, sports and race are just it, it, it they are so locked and it's such a big part of the American story. And so when one of these movies tackles that and manages to be a great sports movie, I cannot ignore it. And I love Denzel's performance. I love the performances by all the boys. And I had to put it at number eight. Remember, the Titans is just a badass movie, a great football movie, a great sports movie, and a great movie about race and and learning and coming together. And so that's why I have those. That's why I chose the uh, those first four right there. Happy Gilmore, Major League, Creed, and Remember the Titans. And what about Thank you, Candlestick Will? So started my list with uh, on on this, you know, with Brian's song, um, probably the. Uh, First movie most grown men cried to, um, you know, the true story of Brian Piccolo and Gail Sayers and their relationship and just a beautifully made film. It's a TV movie, so it's I think sometimes doesn't get looked at as a, a major motion picture the way others other films do. But it absolutely was a football story. They used stock footage of real real footage of Piccolo and Sayers playing for the Bears when they would show the game footage, but um, which is probably a lot smarter um, at that, that, at that time in that era, um, than trying to, um, actually recreate it. Um, if you watch the movie longest yard with Burt Reynolds, you know, it's like the football is, is fun and funny, but it certainly didn't look realistic. Um, so in, in 1971 on a TV movie budget, you don't necessarily, uh, want to try and see actors trying to play football. Um, but, uh, but the story was just incredible. James Conn and, Billy D. Williams were both uh, remarkable in their roles and uh, just truly a beautiful story of friendship that is surrounded by football. Um, number 10, I had Chariots of Fire, um, maybe maybe the greatest uh, movie ever about the Olympics and, and what it takes to get there. And and they they tackle things like classism and, and religion and just kind of the, the way that people will judge someone um, about things that are out of their control and judge someone for things that shouldn't matter. And, uh, and yet at the end of the day, it's, it's who gets to cross the finish line first that actually matters when it comes to the Olympics. And 
Um, and that if you just give people opportunities, they can, they can thrive in those environments. Um, and, uh, and, you know, so to me, Chariots of Fire is one of the, the most brilliant, brilliant, brilliantly made films about sports, but maybe the best film about the Olympics and just what, it, and how the Olympics can kind of take, um, all the, the nonsense around the politics of who gets to go to the Olympics and why. And once, once you're on that stage, it doesn't matter where you're from or what country you're from or what your background is. It only matters, you know, who, who finishes first, second, and third. Um, and, and, and that in a lot of ways is a way to kind of neutralize all the nonsense. Um, number nine is Requiem for a Heavyweight. It's uh, probably one of the most underrated films ever made. Um, just an incredible film, Anthony Quinn is um, just an absolute uh, magnificent performance and uh, his uh, his role is just it's it's just breathtaking to see um, an actor as talented as him um, play a, a boxer that's so uh, you know broken and fragile and yet so loyal and dedicated um, and uh, it truly is a, a gut-wrenching film but it's it's absolutely incredible and then uh, I also had remember the Titans at eight uh, Denzel Washington is by far my favorite actor um, in the world. I'd, I've, I think I've seen all but maybe two of his films. Um, and uh, a couple of the films I haven't seen are films that I literally can't find, like you know, some of the films he made when he was first starting out. But he just he's just almost never made a bad film, and even the few movies he's made that didn't do great, he was still pretty damn good in them. And Remember the Titans is... is him at his best um, in a sports movie. He was, you know, he was in He Got Game. He was in The Hurricane. So he's 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 done a lot of sports movies in his career. But uh, remember, The Titans certainly a special one, and uh, you hit on some of the reasons. But um, but yeah, you get give me Denzel in sports, and I'm in. I was gonna say, as far as uh, Chariots of Fire, uh, I mean, how how we can't we can't have Chariots of Fire and not at least mention the iconic theme song i mean that song well yeah I mean, that's right up there that with can, rockies man it's i would say it's right next to it or 1a 1b well and, and you know both of those theme songs have been used for all kinds of commercial you know ideas and poking fun at it and using it but as soon as you hear the first couple notes you're you know exactly what it's from you know exactly what it is and it, it takes you to that slow-mo you know run and what um, and and you know to me when you know when the, when the Oscars on Sunday did their montage of you know how music and movies are connected, um, you know the actual montage itself was made pretty poorly. I think uh, someone with less talent than someone with less talent than me was in charge of editing it. But um, and I don't know how to edit. But the um, but when you look at uh, but when you look at that idea that topic there's very few films if if any that are more iconic than chariots of fire and that music so ray what do you what do you got for seven through four uh seven through four i've got a league of their own rocky one 42 any given sunday what about you rudy i've got rocky two a league of their own Oh, <laughs> Field of Dreams. Oh, and at number four, Ali. Okay, all right. I never saw so, Ali, so even though I saw it on 
I saw it when I was researching, I had to exclude it because I had, I haven't seen it from beginning to end. That's the same reason why 42 is not on my list. Same mm. exact reason. So I have, uh, for number seven, I have Bull Durham. Number number six, I have Hoosiers. Number five, I have Sea Biscuit. Mm. And number four, I have Raging Bull. Oh, Raging classics. Mm-hmm. All the classics. All break right, it down for us, Ray. Well, A League of Their Own, for it's one of the greatest female sports films ever made. I've seen I've seen this film more than some of the films uh, in my eleven through eight. Um, certainly more than Moneyball and Bad News Bears, but I'd say White Men Can't Jump, Major League, almost an equal count there. Again, it's got such a uh, it's got historical relevance. It's got a dynamite cast. Um, you know, Tom Hanks, Gina Davis in her prime, Lori Petty, where the hell did she go? Madonna, who's still prancing around. Rosie O'Donnell. Only good movie role. Madonna's <laughs> yeah. only good movie role. Yeah. Uh, you know, there was some other, the, they weren't big names back then, but they were Megan, uh, there's, uh, you know, I, I don't I don't know them. The, the You know, Megan Cavanaugh, who played Marla Hooch, Tracy Rayner, who played Betty Spaghetti, Biddy Schramm, who played uh, Evelyn Gardner, and Cusack, I think she's related to the Cusacks, who played Shirley Baker. Annie, I know the Cusacks have, uh, a, a, I think all their, most of their siblings are, are actors. Um, Anne Ramsey, who played uh, Helen Haley. And the, uh, I don't can't remember some of these other characters, but, uh, you know, Jimmy Dugan as Tom Hanks, a, a fictional baseball legend who, you know, succumbed to drinking that derailed his career. He was had so many brilliant moments uh, the 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 sibling rivalry between Dottie Hinson and Kit Keller played by Lori Petter and Gina Hanna, H- H- Gina Davis the way it builds up to the tournament and how their two teams have to eventually play each other at the very end so re- so dramatic the way the music was played and the shots i mean it's some really good some really good baseball just some terrific baseball that happens there uh, and and oh, and also even some of the uh, the side characters. I know um, I forget their names, but there was a guy, the the owner who played the owner of the league, and then the Gary other, Marshall? yeah, I believe, I believe they, uh, that was his name. And and then there was another guy, da- one, one of the great, David great uh, David, yeah, David uh, Strathern, Strathern, who played Ira Lowenstein, one of the uh, the guys who was in charge of promoting and and keeping the league alive. John Lovitz, who was one of the the parents of uh, of I think he was. Well, he was uh, the scout. Oh, he was a scout. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And then Bill, Bill Pullman was the uh, the husband of uh, Dottie Henson, Gina Davis's character. Small role, but um, but yeah, um, there's so many uh, there's so many amazing moments in this film, and I've seen it so many times. There's a reason why it's played on television as often as like Groundhog Day and some of those other films. It's just it's just so. It's so family friendly. It's so baseball. It's ridiculously baseball friendly. And it just has a cast that really just kind of lights up every scene of the film. And I, I thought it was just, uh, again, like similar to Major League, just a great balance of comedy and and sports. But the reason why it's above my previous four films is because of the historical relevancy. And Rocky won. Um, again, an, a crazy underdog story. This is similar to like Bad News Bears, where it's uh, you know an underdog story, and uh, in, in, in also in his real life, and also in the film, and how he climbs the ladder of 
of prominence, you know, by this unique opportunity that kind of comes his way. And he makes the most of it despite it being a losing effort. And uh, again, I can't say more. Uh, I can't say more about Rocky and, and a lot of the Rockies. I like a lot of the Rocky Creed. You know, I kept Creed off the list because it was just one of the youngest of the films that I hadn't. And I'd seen these other films a lot more, although I like Creed and I, I, you know, can't argue with any of the points you made on your choice, Rudy. But uh, but yeah, Rocky one, I definitely had to have there. And 42 for similar reasons of a league of their own, the historical relevancy what was happening in baseball and race relations during that time. I thought uh, this was a, you know, I kind of, I caught it, I caught the film off guard uh, and just started watching it. And I was like, oh yeah, I, I, I was interested in this film. And so now I got the opportunity to see it. And I mean, you can't get any better than Chadwick Boseman. He's been doing all the, most of the major uh, starring roles he's gotten so many big roles uh, throughout his career. And Jackie Robinson was, was definitely one of them. And Harrison Ford, a surprising performance as, as branch Ricky. Yes. I thought he was, I've a, seen those he, clips. I've seen those. Yeah, clips. he was good. He's really he was good. Really good. He was really good. He, he blew me away just because I'm so, you know, I Harrison Ford, you know, doesn't show, he, he shows range in his films, but this was a different type of range of versatility that I, in his acting, you know, skill set that I'd never seen before. I didn't know he had that kind of, you know, nuance uh, in, in his skill set because you know he's most known for his acting or his action uh, catalog, and and he did other stuff like you know regarding Henry and some of these other films. So and I know he's been a villain in in one film that was lesser known where he was got the, the villain uh, the, like a killer try to kill his wife or something like that. But um, but yeah, this film, the historical relevancy, I cannot express enough. You know, the the one scene with uh, Lucas Black, who plays uh, Pee Wee Reese, um, when he famously puts his arm around Jackie Robinson, and you know, kind of shows solidarity and and really dismisses all of the uh, you know, the naysayers in the crowd. I thought that was an amazing moment. You know, it almost it, it got my eyes welled up because of that. It was just a, a very powerful scene. And there's just uh, it's a great film. I definitely if you haven't seen it from beginning to end, Rudy, definitely give it a uh, make some time for it. It's definitely well worth the watch. It's some some, you know, some of the watching some of the uh, the uh, the racial disparity that was happening back then is always uncomfortable to watch for me. But, um, you know, seeing it and and watching it and, and knowing what it's become today is always, you know, uplifting. And and, you know, you, you feel good about where things are now and where things are going, you know, they're just getting better for, for all kinds of athletes and, 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 and all sports. So, you know, these types of films and these, these eras of history are, have, have such relevancy. It's, um, you know, it's just, you know, worthy of all the recognition that fam- film got. And then any given Sunday, man, I, it, I almost put 42 above, but it's really hard, you know, any given Sunday, man, uh, you're dealing with, you know, this is Oliver Stone at his best. Just a, again, all around terrific cast, but the directing, the cinematography, all of the Oliver Stone's, you know, his little visual s- s- symbolism that he loves to throw into in his films and try to like show the the audience, you know, what people are thinking and what the characters are thinking. He's so visual, you know, when that's just like 
that's that's what directing is all about. That's what films are all about. Films do are supposed to do a better job of showing you what's happening versus telling you what's happening. And this film was definitely all about football. In fact, it reminds me a lot of you know existing football players today and just how how crazy it can get with diva football players and how off the rails they can get and how that can affect the locker room and affect the relationship between the player and the coach and how you know if if things you know if you keep working at that relationship you can find harmony in that and i love the way that that film kind of circles back because the relationship does hit the relationship between the locker room and and his and his uh, his his teammates and even his coach really hit uh, sorry, Willie Beeman played, if you haven't seen it, which is weird if you haven't, but uh, Willie Beeman played by Jamie Foxx, uh, you know, James Wood, Dennis Quaid, Cameron Diaz, Al Pacino, LL Cool J, Matthew Modine, Jim Brown, Lawrence Taylor, Bill Bellamy. <laughs> I forgot Bill Bellamy was in that. But um, yeah, there's some there's some really good, uh, again, terrific cast here with terrific directing. You have high caliber directors working with a high caliber director working with a high caliber uh, cast and crew. And it all just comes together beautifully. Um, Willie Beeman, you know, reminds me of so many other players. And uh, I just love the I love the relationship and how that how that affected the play on the field. And you have Dennis Quaid, the veteran quarterback, who's kind of coming into the twilight of his career. You have Lauren Holly, who's plays Dennis Quaid's wife. That uh, you know, you see her kind of not willing to give up. You know, him encouraging him to, to, to stay into the game and to play to the bitter end to, you know, because she's more interested in, in the, the social status that comes along with being a successful athlete. Cameron Diaz, the, the young the, the young owner who's taking over the franchise and trying to, you know, add her own flair to, to what her dad did with, with the team previously owning and the relationship he had with Al, Al Pacino's character. Um, there was just so many great dynamics between all of these relationships. James Woods, the the snarky, he's so good at the the slimy snarky roles. James Woods playing the uh, the sports agent who's just you know just you know a slimy greedy dick, kind of like a lot of sports agents, I guess. At least that's what I'm told. I don't interact with them and I don't know them, but I guess that's what they are. <laughs> what, what they're about. <laughs> and Matthew Modine playing uh, what he does best, being a uh, mild mannered doctor which is uh, what he's done in uh, other films and, and other TV shows. Um, but, but yeah, um, any given Sunday is just a terrific film. And I had to put it in there just because of, because of the completeness of how of the directing cinematography, the writing, the unique directing style of Oliver Stone coupled with, you know, the, the, the prowess of Al Pacino, Jamie stop, Jamie Foxx, who, you know, was entering his prime during this phase and just all of these unique characters coming together, veteran actors, and it was just great. So, you know, that's any given Sunday, you know, wins because of because of just a accumulation of skill coming together and making a great film. That's the only reason why it's above the other ones. Even though some of the things that happened in the other films I enjoyed more I enjoyed watching those things more than any given Sunday. What do you got, Rudy? All right, so I will say this. I actually did not include Any Given Sunday because I never saw it as a kid, and I watched it as an adult, and I hate to admit this. I found it almost unwatchable. It was so... Because I didn't age with it, I did not like the application of like the cinematography from JFK and from Natural Born Killers kind of applied to it. It just felt too over the top, and I realized that 
I didn't. It was up. it was overtly dramatic. You know, yeah, definitely, a, definitely exaggerating. You know, the the the, the craziness that happens. You know, but but there have been some pretty close. You know, comparisons in real life where there's been some. Tr- you know, there's some really. You know, uh, so I don't mean to take up some of your time here, but it's just some really um, broken. You know, dysfunctional teams out there. We, well, we we also, I mean, we had a guy kill. We, you know, we had a Kansas City Chief shoot himself in the head uh, a couple years back. We had a uh, New England Patriot that was a murderer, maybe possibly a serial killer. I mean, like, there's right. there's 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 been some crazy stuff that that's come out with football. It just, I I totally do not blame the movie. I I think I struggled with it because I didn't grow up with it. And I was coming into it in the 20 teens. Like, literally, I saw this movie like two or three years ago for the first time ever. And I was like, I just, I aged out of the movie. I was like, you know, it'd be like if I showed a, I would be, like, I wouldn't be surprised if I showed a 15 year old, even the original Star Wars 1977 movie. And they'd be like, mm, I don't know. This isn't bad, but I really like that Rogue One movie better. You know what I mean? Like, I could see somebody saying that. They'd be like, ah, ah, it's just, I don't know. Or if they saw like maybe, I don't know. I'm trying to think of some old film that maybe hasn't aged as as well as it thought. But that was for me. I was like, it's a. The problem is, it's like it's like a it's like a breakup. Where I go, the problem is you. It's the problem is me. It's not you. Um, that's my <laughs> only reason I didn't have it on the list. I just I aged out of it. Um, but I just I but I don't have any argument on anyone. But I I I felt like I should put it on here, and I just literally had to be honest with myself and not. All right, but let's go. Rocky II, directed by Sylvester Stallone, written by Sylvester Stallone, starring Sylvester Stallone, (laughs) Tully Shire, (laughs) Burt Young, Carl Weathers, Burgess Meredith. Music by the iconic Bill Conti. I had to include him for the music on this one. Rocky II, because Rocky II is a little bloated. And, you know, you know, definitely it kind of shows uh, Sylvester Stallone's kind of young directing chops. But it gives it not only does it give him the win which he didn't get in Rocky, which makes Rocky so iconic. But he doesn't get, he gets the win, but he also in getting the win produces an ending that is equally as iconic as the end of the original Rocky. And and, and he could have, he could have easily, it could have gone the way of super cheesy, super corny, and he doesn't, and he doesn't make it happen. But he manages to make it happen, and the whole from from win Rocky win, which is one of my all time favorite quotes, all the way to the end. This movie just goes into hyperdrive and manages to give you the ending you wanted, but never never steps into the realm of I don't know being fan service or too corny or anything. It. It and it produces an ending that brings me to tears literally every time I see it. I cannot watch the end of Rocky Two and not cry like a baby. It just breaks me down every time. A League of Their Own, directed by the iconic Penny Marshall, written by Babalu Mandel. I don't even know if I'm saying that right. Lowell Gaines, starring Tom Hanks, Gina Davis. You said all these people, Ray, Lori Petty, Madonna. I'm not even gonna go over them. Um, same. I mean, I I really can't say more than what you said. It's another. It's like remember the Titans. This is a movie that is one of the best baseball movies, but at the same time is a woman empowerment film, you know, and and um, really it, 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 it captures so many things from an era. And without this movie and the documentary that preceded it, I don't know if anyone would even know that this existed. 
And uh, it was directed by Penny Marshall, uh, an iconic director and actress in her own right. And, it, you know, it's kind of by women, for women. Tom Hanks delivers an incredible performance, but all the women are good. We joked about Madonna's one good performance, possibly, in a movie. Uh, I love A League of Their Own. Field of Dreams, another baseball movie. You guys are probably starting to see a... Uh, a pattern with my movies. Field of Dreams, directed by Phil Alden Robinson, written by Phil Alden Robinson, starring Kevin Costner, Amy Madigan, James Earl Jones, Ray Liotta, Burt Lancaster, and music by another icon of the industry, James Horner. I love Field ah, of Dreams. James Horner. Yeah, James Horner. Field of Dreams, one of the most quoted and spoofed movies on this list. Uh, but it's, you know, mm-hmm. it's a it's a it's a testament to the Incredibles, it's it's also kind of a ghost story, which is and a sports movie, which it's similar to Happy Gilmore to me. It's like it's like you're pulling off a couple different things here, and but really, really well. And uh, um, I I I I, I it kind of comes down to Kevin Costner. I don't think I could have a top eleven sports. Uh, Kevin list Costner at, Prime. Yeah, and not and not have at least one. Kevin Costner baseball movie, and I chose Field of Dreams. I figured Bull Durham would be somewhere else, so I went with Field of Dreams. Um, Ali, Michael Mann. I mean, enough set directed by Michael Mann. I mean, Michael there you Mann, go, baby. He. I mean, the the man. Written by Eric Eric Roth, Michael Mann, starring Will Smith, Jamie Foxx, John Voight, Mario Van Peebles, Ron Silver, Jeffrey Wright, James Tony, Jada Pinkett Smith. Uh, I can never say his name. Mike McKelly Williamson. I think is how you say that. Uh, Will Smith stepping out of his box. This was a movie that people weren't quite sure if he had the chops for. Um, when The thing that sometimes we often forget is that when Will Smith wants to act and just throw the hammer down and show everybody that he can be one of the great, best actors in the world, he can do it at will. Um, most of the time, he tends to kind of play it safe with his you know super cool Will Smith characters. But every now and then, the bug he gets the bug in him, and he's like, "I'm gonna just throw the hammer down and show you why I'm Will Mother F and Smith." And Ali is one of those roles, one of his most iconic roles, arguably, arguably his greatest performance of all time, um, if you, especially in the in the realm of dramas. But uh, yeah, and so I just I I put it up there, Ali, greatest boxer of all time. Uh, you know, a great story needed to be told, and Michael frickin' Mann and Will Smith, Ali. I mean, that is just all-star right there alone, and then the rest of the cast follows. Candlestick Will, your turn. So, yeah, number seven, Bull Durham. It's uh, the only comedy I have on my list because um, I kind of based my list on what I thought the, the best movies were, and... When it comes to sports movies, I think a lot of times sports dramas end up being more powerful. Um, you know, we'll talk about it when some, we'll talk about it with some of the honorable mentions. I'll mention some of the comedies I enjoyed, you know, growing up as a kid. Obviously, movies that you guys have already mentioned, like Major League and White Man Can't Jump and Happy Gilmore, are ones that are certainly ones you can watch over and over and over again. But uh, of all the the sports comedies, uh, Bull Durham is the one that I think kind of stands above and but you know head and head and shoulders above everybody else because in a lot of ways it's also a, a love story in a lot of ways it's also a drama um it's one of the most incredible stories of someone trying to play out their 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 dream one more time and someone just starting out on their dream and and what that's like and how those two marriages mix and 
Um, you know, the relationship with Susan Sarandon and Kevin Costner is are similar in, in that they're both, you know, kind of just going through the motions of life and haven't really found a real purpose and end up finding it in themselves and in each other. And um, so it's, it's just, it's a perfectly made movie in, in a lot of ways, especially from a sports perspective, because, you know, it's, it's, it's easy to, to make a story like, uh, you know, rags, the riches story or, a you know, coming of age story or a, uh, um, you know, a David and Goliath story when it comes to sports, but um, to show someone trying to, to make it work one last time and, and not doing it and that being okay um, is, is very unique, I think, in sports um, and actually does really well, I think, with the creation of a, a sports um, arc and a story. Um, number six, I had Hoosiers, um, one of the greatest uh, David and Goliath stories. They literally tell the story of David and Goliath in the locker room. And, um, you know, Gene Hackman is one of the greatest actors in the world. And, and his performance in the, in Hoosiers, I think is, in tr is tremendous. And, um, you know, it's, it's a, it's a really well made film. Dennis Hopper is incredible. It's just an actor in it. Um, he does an incredible job in that film and, um, Barbara Hershey's great in it. And it's, I think it's just the the perfect type of movie for the you know the the kind of David and Goliath story you want of some small town no one's ever heard of coming together with a group of like eight guys and just finding a way um, and the fact that it was you know loosely based on a true story is even cooler. Um, number five, I have Sea Biscuit, um, kind of similar to to Bull Durham in that you had like, just a Every, every character basically was on their second chance, you know, at the end of their rope, um, similar to Crash Davis, um, kind of given, given one more chance. And um, you have the, you know, Red Pollard who, you know, nobody wanted as a jockey. You know, you had the, the owner of the, the horse that, you know, lost his son in a tragic accident. So he was a kind of a broken man looking for some purpose in life. You had um, the trainer that nobody really... Uh, cared about his opinion because he seemed like he was kind of a weirdo and uh, not much of a, a people person, but he knew horses. And then you had, um, and then, uh, and then of course you had Seabiscuit himself, which was a horse that was, you know, too small and too fat and too slow and, you know, too hard to deal with. And so it just, you have all those people coming together and the fact that that horse beat you know, the greatest, one of the greatest horses ever, um, bred, uh, you know, in, in a, um, match race that everybody in the world listened to, um, that could, uh, it's, it's actually a pretty remarkable story and the way they tell it is just absolutely beautiful and deserved to be an Oscar nominated film when it, when it came out and it was. And then number four, I have Raging Bull, which, you know, is arguably the greatest sports movie ever made. Um, Martin Scorsese, just at the top of his game, Robert De Niro, with the absolute tour de force is Jake LaMotta and uh, you know, Joe Pesci's incredible in it. And just the way the boxing was shot, the way the story was told, the performance by De Niro, the cinematography and, and the direction from Scorsese. I mean, it, that it's a, a raging bulls a, about as good as it gets when it comes to a movie standpoint, there's certainly more, more sports films that are more entertaining or more sports films that are more fun to watch over and over again. But if you're, talk about recommending 11 films that have sports as a central theme. Um, to me, Raging Bull belongs in the Mount Rushmore. I mean, there's a lot of people that feel that way. 
You definitely caught me off guard with Sea Biscuit. I've I've not seen that film because um, I'm not familiar with that sport or it's not something that typically you know falls into my uh, wheelhouse of sports interest. But uh, you know, based on your description, it sounds like it's worth the watch. Yeah, it, I, I just think you know, I mean, it's it's uh, it's a good cast. You know, Chris Cooper is always good in everything he does. Um, you know, Jeff Bridges is in it um, as the owner of the horse and. Um, yeah, Elizabeth Banks plays his wife, and uh, Toby Maguire plays the the jockey. And but it's just the the way the story's told, I think, is just pretty actually remarkable. The there's a some um, some really smart ways in which they kind of tell the story. And you know that there's something about you know when when an animal movie is done well. You know, I mean, you think of a movie like Babe, that you know actually worked pretty well, and and people kind of fell in love with and. There's something about, you know, when an animal movie is done well, that it just, it can tug at your heartstrings in a kind of a different way. And Seabiscuit, you know, certainly has some of that element too, um, in the way they uh, depicted the horse. And and they certainly made it seem like it was a very uh, documentary-like uh, telling of the story. Um, you know, it's definitely made as a film, but uh, a lot of narration in the film to kind of give the background of, of what Seabiscuit was like. And um, you know, it's based on some books written about uh, about Seabiscuit because he really did kind of become the the people's horse during the Depression, and he was this you know horse that everyone could could can kind of root for because he was the one that people kind of kicked to the curb, and they show they kind of showcase that Jeff Bridges at his best, you know, that character he was depicting um, was one of the greatest salesmen in in the world at the time, and. So he knew how to sell to the papers. He knew how to sell to the common man. He knew how to sell to the people, um, you know, what they needed to hear at a time where they were all kind of feeling broken. And uh, so it really does, it, it's almost impossible not to watch that movie and be pretty in, inspired by the, the the storytelling and be inspired by what sports can really do is really unite people when they're at, you know, the end of their rope and, um they, they turn to sports as a way of like looking for just one glimmer of hope in their life. Um, and, you know, the Great Depression is about as low a, a point as we've ever f- had in this country. And uh, Seabiscuit was the horse that kind of helped people forget for a moment that they were in a tough spot. And uh, um, and uh, like I said, it's, it's, a, it's a film that was up for Best Picture, and I think it deserved to be. Um, you know, and I have a, I do my own Oscars and in 2003, I gave Seabiscuit the Best Picture Award, um, and uh, I just I thought it was the best made film of the year. Um, so I, I I can't say enough good things about it. I, it's certainly a movie that if it's on, I, I stop what I'm doing and watch it. Mm, nice, very cool. All right, so what, what we got for honorable mention, guys? I've got Creed, Happy Gilmore. Blades of Glory, because it's the only ice skating film I know of that I watched. It's so funny. Wait, you, don't have, you, you don't have Cutting Edge? No, no. Well, <laughs> I, I know there's the other one with uh, with hockey with um, Kurt Russell, but I, I haven't seen that from beginning Wait, to young, end. Yeah. Is that Youngblood? It's no, the one where he was the hockey Patrick. coach. Oh, was Miracle. The, Miracle. Yes, yes, that's it. I've got For the Love of the Game, which is – Again, it's kind of more of a love story than a sports film, but it is the struggle. And once again, Kevin Costner, who really hit a stride in, in, within sports films. In the he 90s. loves his sports movies, man. He did. Draft he did Day. Like he did three. Draft Day. Yeah, he did so many. He loves it. He's a big, he must be a big sports fan. Um, you know, for the love of the game, 
because uh, it, it was a struggle between a guy who had his love of the game and he, he was struggling between giving up the game because he was old in his twilight years and also you know falling in love with the woman of his the, the love of his life and so it was kind of sports related but it, it kind of it was more about you know uh, love it's like which one do you love what I would say I count it as a sports film which is why it's honorable mention it's like either do you love the game or do you love this woman which one which one will you decide that's pretty much what the whole film's about uh, the replacements these are some shitty films but I enjoyed them the replacements <laughs> and oh, replacements is fun it's all good uh, it, it's fun exactly and uh, necessary roughness uh, that one was fun yeah! too yeah that's a great one uh, it's a really fun one and then uh, Karate Kid 2 Oh, more, than, more, than, oh. more than Karate Kid? Oh, well, Karate Kid 2's in means... honorable mentions. So I mean, there's, you a, know. there's a hint. No, there's but I just mean hint. that more. I mean, you have, if you have it ranked higher than Karate, than the original Karate Kid. Mm, I don't think that's what that means. No, no, because Karate Kid 2's in my honorable mention, but it's not on my list. Or, do, who, or is it? You know, I don't oh, okay. Know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to spoil anything. <laughs> <laughs> but Karate Kid uh, two, just because um, you know, I didn't like Karate Kid three or four, and the new how series dare you? Is, the new kidding. series is excellent. <laughs> but but uh, Karate Kid two definitely raised the stakes from Karate Kid one in terms of the uh, the maturity. You know, the relationship kind of you know pretty much went around. Uh, you know, kept on the same clip between. Uh, the, the Pat Morita and Ralph Macchio, but the stakes of, of martial arts took a, a realistic leap for uh, Ralph Macchio's character. And that was what I loved about it the most. I uh, see. I don't know if I can forgive Billy Chapel though, because he was going to be traded to the giants and he decided to retire for the love of the game. And, you know, it's like he could have been a giant. So, you know, I don't that's, know if I can forget him. That's a, that's a fair <laughs> point with that movie. A fair no, that's, point. That's, that's actually, a, it's a good, it's a good, it's a good film. I like it. It is a good film. It's got some good baseball in it, but it does tend to revolve around the relationship more. Right. What about you, Rudy? Who, what do you got for your honorable mention? All right. So here we go. Number five is Miracle. And I'm going to be honest with you. The one thing I really felt bad about my list is that outside of Happy Gilmore, it's basically boxing, football, and baseball movies. That's pretty much what makes up most of this list. And there's a lot of other sports movies. I feel like my top 11 sports movie list is probably, would probably say it's my favorite movies and the ones that I think best represent the genre of sports movies. And as I've said, I'm, I'm, I'm probably a lot stricter than the two of you are when it comes to sports movies. Um, I put, but I did want to have one hockey movie represented because they are actually pretty good at making good hockey sports movies. So I put Miracle yeah, Mir- Five. Miracles, Miracles, really good. Really Miracle good. Is good. It is really good. good. I, have, I haven't seen it from beginning to end, but I've seen some of the bigger scenes, and they were Kurt Russell's great. It's really good. Yeah, it's really good. Um, I felt it's one of those. I felt bad. It should probably should have been in the list. I just I couldn't. I, I man, it was it was Miracle or Happy Gilmore. I, and I, I what am I do? What am I gonna do? <laughs> so that's kidding. So that's yeah, right. Comedy, you're fine. Yeah, right, right. Number four, Bad News Bears. I love Bad News Bears. Almost Bad News Bears. Man, it was it was tough. It was that was that hurt. That hurt to put it on here. Number three, The Program. Probably my version of Any Given Sunday, Raymond. The movie I grew up with and the movie I aged with. That that hasn't aged. It's kind of super over the top, but I fucking love the program. It's so good. It's so dark. So dark. Alvin, how can you not love Alvin Mack and, and Darnell Jefferson? Mm-hmm. Joe Joe Kane. Uh huh. I mean, it's yeah, yeah. It's a great one. 
Number two, a movie I saw with my father years ago. Great movie. He's the one who introduced us to me, The Longest Yard. I yeah. love I never saw the original. I saw I the saw Adam with Sandler Dad. version. I saw it with Dad. That's what I saw. The unofficial fourth member of the Gold And cast, I like that Bobby version. I like I like because I recognize the pros in there, like Michael Irving and uh, I think, uh, what's his name? That The big uh, overweight Italian comedian. You talking about that? The original the Longest Yard with Burt Reynolds. He he was in the new one, but oh, yeah, yeah Burt yeah, Reynolds was in the is in a new one too. Oh, nice. He's I in both. Seen that one. And then uh, number one, but I, 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 there's two other movies that are on this list. But number one is The Fighter. I love The Fighter, yeah. and I think Great the thi one. the thing that made The Fighter the best, the best thing about The Fighter, what it ha what actually has it superior to every boxing movie ever made, is that they went and got the HBO guys who actually film the boxing matches and they made it look like a real boxing match they made it look like the fights and it looked it didn't it looked and felt like it was it was a real boxing match because it was done by the HBO film crews that actually filmed the filmed the boxing fights and that's the it literally it is the best cinematic representation of boxing the most realistic because it looks like a real fight i mean all the way down to the to the fonts the, the wording everything i was just like yes that's the thing about the fighter that i love the most and why it's my number one but my number my six and seven offshoots that aren't i i, I can't quite put them on honorable mentions um because i don't really know if i consider them a sports movie by my personal definitions number six is white men can't jump which was on Raymond's. I really think White Man Can't Jump is probably more actually a uh, an, uh, an indie drama about addiction. I think that's really what that movie's about. But it flirts really heavily with basketball, and and it obviously it, it's so many iconic scenes. And the I agree with Raymond. I think the choreography for the basketball in that movie is amazing. Some it's of the really best that good. they've done, especially for just actors. Um, Candlestick Will, what did you think of that? It almost sounded like you were going to say something when I was talking about that part of the film. Oh, about White Man Can't Jump? Just, yeah. Um, I, th I think it was Wesley Morris on uh, the rewatchables when they were doing the Major League rewatchables and they were talking about Wesley Snipes. And I think they were, I think they mentioned on that show, on that podcast, that Wesley Snipes, the reason there was so much slow mo is that Wesley Snipes was not very good at basketball. And so they had they had to do a lot of slow mo to make him look like a better basketball player than he was. Um, not not to even just I mean I, I love White Man Can't Jump. It's I watched it when I was a kid. I watched it a million times. Um, and uh, and and so I'm not even knocking it, but I just that was I was going to mention that when you guys had mentioned the kind of the choreography of, of making those scenes that I, I I was under the impression that people have said that Woody Harrelson was actually pretty good at basketball, but that. Wesley Snipes wasn't so great, so they had to do a lot more slow mo than they would have. But it was Woody. Your... Woody had more had more. But it looks uh, full good. Frame full frame shots. Oh yeah, I, you know it what? Looks I think play. all of and it. I think even the slow mo. Of... Well, because I, I think the reason I'm I said that it was during the rewatchables podcast for Major League was because because um, Wesley Morris was mentioning that um, at least I think it was Wesley Morris um, that was on that podcast, but. Uh, when they were talking about Major League, they were saying the reason that Wesley Snipes as Willie Mays Hayes was in slow mo on the um, on that, it wasn't as fast as he as this was, character is that was. He wasn't really that, he <laughs> yeah. wasn't really that fast in the first place. So when they have him do the slow mo with the two you know against the two other guys um, in his pajamas, 
that he actually isn't very fast. And so they had to do that in slow-mo. Um, and then even like the iconic scene at the end of the major league where he's trying to uh, run, you know, from second to home, you know, that's all slow-mo too, which, you know, certainly adds to the, um, to the drama of the scene, but also might've been at, I don't also might have been at a necessity. Mm-hmm. There you go. Mixture of the two. Yeah. So these final two movies, I would probably say if those first, those five, I usually try to say five for my honorable mentions. I probably would put these categories in these two movies fall. White men can't jump in the next movie. I'm going to say fall under Rudy's definition of are they sports movies with a question mark? White men can't jump. And the other one is the karate kid. The karate. First one. The first one. I man, I I I actually had a long talk with a fellow actor today. And uh, because I was trying to decide if Karate Kid was a sports movie, it's it, also directed by uh, uh, Mr. Avildsen. Uh, I actually went to school with his daughter. We went to the same acting uh, program together. Um, Karate Kid feels like it's more about Ralph Macchio, uh, you know, yeah. adjusting to a unique environment. It's a bully movie. It's uh... the first half. Yeah, the first half of the movie is really limited in. In, in how much actual karate there is. Um, and he and all the training has nothing to do with karate. At least you don't think it does. Um, you know, he's painting houses and he's, you know, polishing cars and stuff. So the actual, you know, so the actual karate you see is only like the end montage um, for the most part outside of a, a few times you see the dojo where, um, you know, where the uh, Cobra Kai is, tra- is training. So I think that one might might be more of an uh, you know uh, up for debate. White Man Can't Jump. I think there there really isn't a scene that isn't dependent on the next basketball thing they do. Right. And basketball basically tells the story throughout. Every single story had to do with the next game they're going to or the next you know. So I think when you're talking about storytelling, it, even if you try to replace basketball with like gambling. And like he had a gambling addiction and he kept going to try to win money gambling, um, you know, for like poker or something instead of basketball. Um, it, it's it's still a sport that he's dri- it's driving his gambling. It's still it's still the you both know, their full time uh, jobs were were basketball hustling. So see, see, OK, so I'll, I'll tell you guys, I love that we're having this conversation right now. This is, I was hoping to have this at some point about one of these movies. Now, I, 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 the only reason I don't agree is because you could just make them con artists with maybe a drug addiction and and you you could basically make this same movie you know but obviously you would change the the they could just be con artists in the street with like a like a cocaine addiction and and right. and I the think the sport it, becomes conning people versus the sport yeah I mean, like you know what I, I mean I see versus what, yeah, conning I see what people you see what I'm saying on that you see where I'm going well, with I that? see what, I see what you're saying I I think the the way I would differ in my like I you by all means believe that for for why you think it doesn't work as a sports movie, but I think to me, it's still for, I still count it as a sports movie because they chose to make the, the addiction and the, and the thing they're doing all about basketball. Um, had they had, and so what I, what I do think though, and I think this should be done more often in, in storytelling is if somebody wants to do, and I guess it happens a lot. Like when Die Hard came out, everyone wants to make the next Die Hard. So it's like, okay, now let's do Die Hard on a plane, and now let's do Die Hard on a train, and now let's do Die Hard in a city, and now let's do Die Hard. You know, like Die Hard is a is a genre of filmmaking of storytelling. Right, exactly. It so, really is. But so to your point, taking the themes of White Men Can't Jump and making the same film, but instead of basketball, you pick something else. 
that that actually is a good way to make a movie you, you like your own by saying, okay, let's have like all the, the, you know, let's make a Woody Harrelson type character that can, that never gets out of his own way. And let's make a Wesley Snipes character who, you know, never seems to go too far and always kinds of outsmarts everyone, but also gets screwed because it's a very brutal industry that they've chosen to be part of. Um, and so they're both kind of at the end of their rope, just trying to find something reasonable and, you know, manageable, but they're never going to do it as long as they continue to try to hustle. Um, and, and so then you just have, you know, whether like, you know, a movie like Rounders is essentially the same thing, um, in, in that way. And so, you know, you can make that, so now that's, a, that's the poker version of white men can't jump. And, um, and it's just, and it's just not a comedy. Um, and you can, you ha have some variance in that. So I think in that way, you're right that you can make this movie about something totally different, um, that has nothing to do with sports and have, you know, characters that basically do the exact same things. But I think, but the, I think your argument's side, also really good on the flip well, side. And the, and the flip side is they chose to do this whole movie around basketball. So that way it does become a basketball movie. Yeah. And see, that's the thing about both these two movies, Karate Kid and White Man Can't Jump for me as when I was putting together my list and these two movies, they tow the line for me. So they're like, Oh, we're right there. And I'm like, I'm like, you don't fully fit my definition of what a sports movie is, but you don't fully not fit it. You're right on the line. Like there's like for me, like right, as I said, or right. Yeah. They're, they're right, right on, on the, the line. line. And like I said, like for me, I'm like Sandlot for me personally, go, not a sports movie. Jerry Maguire, not a sports movie. Um, great movies. That one's one's a love story that flirts with romantic comedy. The other one is a coming age story about little kids. Uh, you could make you could make Jerry Maguire a talent agent for a musician. It'd basically be this exact same movie. You could make him a talent agent for an actor. Cuba Good Judy could have the same exact thing about uh, a stadium and about uh, a uh, or a movie role that he's he's getting. You could literally the dialogue could be exactly the same. Um, I mean, by that def by your definition of sports films in re in relation to martial arts films, you could argue that. Uh, you know, uh, blood sport is a uh, is more of a martial arts sports film than uh, Karate Kid is. I mean, Karate you, Kid the tournament the tournament well, doesn't no, even blood, come into play. Blood sport is a sports blood, movie. It's oh, a yeah. really sports, rough. Yeah. yeah, it's a it's a martial arts film and a sports movie. One hundred percent. Blood sport. It's in blood the title. Has, yeah, blood sport has like four montages of just fights. You know yeah, I mean? and blood, training blood and lots of training. Right. Yeah, Bloodsport. Yeah, Blood it just, Sports. It's just not a good movie. <laughs> I love Bloodsport, though. But Damn, I, that should have been in my honorable too. mentions. I enjoyed. I enjoyed. I messed Blood up. Sport's outstanding. Don't, yeah. don't be knocking Bloodsport. I should have put that in my honorable <laughs> mentions. I messed up. That you know what? Throw Miracle out. I'm throwing Bloodsport in. <laughs> Bloodsport's in. Miracle, you're out. I'm sorry. <laughs> so Bloodsport is hella fun. Did Bolo, you have, man. Bolo's the did man. You, did you have any uh, any more any more honorable mention? Uh, no, that was it. The other one, like I said, Karate Kid was really tough for me. It be, it's a coming of age uh, story about a kid overcoming bullies and overcoming like the, you know, the, the that whole that like, like you said, Ray, a bully story that then morphs in the final 30 minutes that he now uses this sport as a tool to overcome them. Really tricky genre blending right there. I'm not sure where it lands, but they deserve to be mentioned. Both those movies were in my list of, are they sport movies? With a question mark. And so I'm glad that they've already kind of been mentioned, but I wanted to acknowledge those two movies as being movies that I I don't quite know. I, I 
I thought, Candlestick Will, you brought up some amazing arguments with white man can't jump, and, and that's the thing. I'm more confused than ever. This As we end this, I don't sit here and go, <laughs> they're sports movies, or go, they're definitely not a go. I still don't know. In fact, I know even less now than I did before. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And to, be, and to be honest, I just looked up Bloodsport. I forgot about it. it I completely it, it, it forgot about Bloodsport. It fell between the cracks. Fell, and, it's and really we, And you and, I, you and I have watched that quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I threw it on. It, I, miracles out, Bloodsport's in. <laughs> Number five, it's there. So, all right, Candlestick Will, your turn, buddy. All right, so I, you know, I had some of the same ones that you guys have mentioned: League of Their Own, you know, amazing film, Major League, uh, Creed. Um, you know, you you just mentioned the Sandlot. Yeah, to me, I, I think you're 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 being consistent about your definition of, of sports movies, and that you know that because it's a coming of age story, it could be a coming of age story about anything. But Sandlot completely revolves the entire premise of the movie around baseball 100 percent, 100 percent. i almost so it, i almost had it on my list i was very um you, you also mentioned the program which is fantastic because the program was was one of the greatest films ever made um can't can't believe it didn't win an oscar um i'm just kidding um, <laughs> but um you know and then uh fighter that you mentioned Moneyball. so i ha- those are all ones i had i wanted to shout out some movies that i i do have highly ranked um but they they kind of fall in the cracks for me but they're movies that i think people either haven't heard of or um, maybe have and, and just haven't seen. Um, one, the one movie that doesn't fall into either one of those categories is Caddyshack. Um, Caddyshack uh, didn't, didn't make my, um, didn't make my, my 11, but it, Caddyshack is hilarious. It's in a fantastic movie. Um, definitely along the lines of uh, Happy Gilmore, Bull Durham and other great comedies. Um, so one of the movies I really wanted to, to point out was uh, Somebody Up There Likes Me, uh, Paul Newman playing Rocky Graziano. Um, f- amazing film. He's terrific in it. It's a beautiful story. Um, not a lot of people have seen it from the 1950s, um, but it's a tremendous movie uh, about Rocky Graziano and, and his his story. Um, another movie is from HBO, Rebound, um, the Earl Manigault story. Um, uh, Don Cheadle does an amazing job as Eric uh, as Earl the Goat Manigault. Um, Eric LaSalle directed it, um, and it was, I believe it was his first uh, directorial movie or first movie he directed, um, but a great movie about uh, the, the reality of addiction and, and what that can do to what was arguably the greatest basketball player that ever lived um, and how that destroyed, how drugs destroyed him. Um, the Stratton story with James Stewart um, about the true story of uh, Jamie Stratton, Jim Stratton um, and, uh, and his, his attempt to come back after uh, a, a terrible accident. Um, another HBO movie, 61, that Billy Crystal directed with Roger Maris and uh, about Roger Maris's uh, pursuit of Babe Ruth and um, just a terrific film. Um, and then uh, yeah, and then the only, the only other movies I wanted to shout out were um, The Hustler um, and uh, The Natural, because I think those are all, two other uh, really great movies. Yeah, I think The Natural, if Bill Simmons was on this podcast, The Natural would have probably ranked in his top three somewhere. <laughs> He's a huge I never fan of saw it. Never saw it either. He's a huge fan of it. I oh, yeah. I have, I have two more. One uh, totally ridiculous film, but one of Zach Galifianakis' first films, Out Cold, um, the greatest snowboarding film ever made. Um, it's uh, out, came out in 2001. I went and went to the, see it in the theaters. Um, I was probably one of like 12 people that saw it in the theaters, but it was uh, Zach Galifianakis' first film. The movie is absolutely hilarious. The entire movie is funny. Um, and then... Uh, Another random TV movie, um, The Final Shot, The Hank Gather Story, um, was a terrific film I saw when I was a kid and 
just you know that's such a gut gut wrenching story about uh, Hank Gathers dying um, tragically uh, while he was in college at Loyola Marymount. Um, so that TV movie was about his story. So just want to shout those movies out. All right, so Ray, what, what's your uh, what's your top three? Okay, my top three is Rudy, Rocky Two, and The Karate Kid. Oh. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm I had a feeling spoil- it was coming. I, I'm, I'm sitting there giving spoilers out with your karate too. <laughs> uh, what about you, Rudy? All right, number three is Raymond's number eleven, Moneyball. Wow! And I don't even like the Ace. I kind of <laughs> hate the Ace, uh, but great uh, film though. But Moneyball, I love Moneyball. That's number three. Number two, got to go with Rudy, man. Of course, number two has got to be Rudy. I can't believe you put it at three, Ray. It hurts my heart. Rudy at number two. (laughs) (laughs) And number one, Rocky. The greatest sports movie of all time, in my opinion. Rocky. So, Moneyball, Rudy, Rocky. What about you? Number three, I have Million Dollar Baby. Mm. Uh, I only seen seen half of it, but I did consider it. Yeah, it's a hard movie to watch twice, yeah. but it's definitely a great movie to watch it's once. Great movie. Uh, number two is Feel the Dreams. Mm. And number one is Rocky. Yeah. Oh, hey. We, we, not, twice... not as different as we thought they were going to be, but I mean, there's still a lot of variants in these lists. Yeah, but it's a lot, a lot, of, a lot of baseball, a lot of boxing. You know, the, those, those, those have sports, been some of the best. So the, those sports tend to bring out the best. Yeah, I think they they resonate so well with people, and they're so iconic. I, I you know, uh, from Rage, Raging Bull to Rocky, you know, those two really just have done such a great job of keeping boxing in, in the in the mix, despite the fact that the real sport is kind of shitty now, uh, because you know MMA is taking more of the limelight in that, and in, in terms of you know violent sports. But but boxing is having a bit of a renaissance right now. I I, I kind of really is like it? the boxing. Yeah, I, don't I, I follow I, it. I've been following. I follow a lot of boxing. It's definitely. More popular than it's been in a long time, but they've got some great every weights. But we're getting off topic. Keep going. Yeah, but yeah, that that's all I'm saying. Well, yeah. So yeah. So Ray, what's when you want to give us your 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 top three? What your rationale is? Man, Rudy, Rudy is like the. It's almost a. It's to be honest, it's it's uh, in a lot of ways a, almost a bigger underdog. It's definitely the best underdog. Well, gosh, I don't know. It's such a. It's so iconic in so many different ways, but uh, I've seen you, this film Hold on, a lot. were you going to call it the best underdog sports movie of all time? Uh, almost. <laughs> it, it's, it's right there. It's, it's, I right, think it's there. right there. It's it's really close. I mean, this I think film I think has... in a non I think in a non Rocky world, I think you got something there. I think I think Rocky still is the is the ultimate. But I think but so it, too. It, but you know, Sean Astin being five foot nothing and a hundred and nothing, you know, certainly, uh, you know, certainly. Uh, has the visual of the the quintessential, um, you know, David versus Goliath. Uh, yes, uh, the world is against him. His family's against him. He just has everything going against him, and then he just refuses to give up on that dream and playing football for Notre Dame. And you know, half of the film, you know, in the beginning, there's some football, and then there's a there's a period throughout the middle where it's just him trying to get there, trying to get to the next to the to, to Notre Dame football. And, and then when he does it, you know, it's it's very triumphant and dramatic, very a tear jerking of a film. Of course, it's named after 
our host here and after our father and our father's <laughs> father. So there's a lot of uh, family <laughs> relevance there, you know, that that's uh, undeniable. But I mean, like, yeah, the, are you are you saying you guys have used the chant in Rudy a few times in your own world? Yes. I, Candlestick World, <laughs> let me just tell you this. Let me tell you this. As someone who's been bartending for 14 years, I hear that chant, I would say, on average, two to seven times a week, <laughs> depending on how many days I work. And I have people ask me all the time to go, I bet you hear that all the time, don't you? And I go, yes. And they go, do you ever get sick of it? And I always tell them, I go, listen, I go, listen, I'll tell you exactly what I say every time. I go, every time someone asks me if I get tired of the Rudy chant, my response is, do I ever get tired of people victoriously chanting my name? The answer is no. <laughs> I never get tired of this. Why would I get tired of that? You can victoriously chant my name for the rest of time. I will never for, I will never get tired of it. It's the greatest gift this movie's given me is that people know the chant. Even if they don't know the movie, they know the chant. It's become one of those, those it's in the lexicon and they hear the name and they just start doing the chant. And I'm like, yes, let's exactly. go. Exactly. Yeah, just like I'm, I'm never, never sick of the reference uh, to the Ray Romano show because I like the fact that everybody loves me. <laughs> so, so well, yeah I, I grew up i grew up with everyone wanting to be like mike so yeah yeah there you go, yeah, there there you go. go. <laughs> boom we've all got one we all um, got one yeah so so uh rudy rudy's just a cheerjerker of a film i still get uh teary-eyed when i watch this film it's just it's just so good i, I actually um have jerry goldsmith the gentleman who did the the composer that did the score for this film, he's on my Spotify. I follow his the specific tracks he made for this film because they're so iconic. I recommend, if you're a fan of, of film scores, I highly recommend listening to that particular um, work of his. Very well worth it. Rocky II, um, for a lot, actually the reason that you named earlier in, in the show, Rudy, the fact that Rocky II captures the same dramatic impact as Rocky I does, but the fact that he won is why I had to give it the edge for me because even though I like both the films, the impact of the win when when he when he tells his wife that he did it and his face is so fucked up <laughs> and he's talking to the guy. Remember, he's just so jacked by this film. But the 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 scene where he says, "I just have to say something to my wife," and I know a, it, the only thing that's missing. I mean, Adrian's at home. I wish she could have been there. I know she was there the first one, but the fact that you know he makes that moment all about like her, like, "Hey, you, you know, this part of this part of this victory is is shared with you because you you told me you told me those that famous scene before they go into the montage of training. She's like, "Go win," you know, such an amazing scene. Get gave, gave me goosebumps as as I was uh, reciting it. But when he tells her that she did it and he's he's barely holding on to to the emotion that's about to burst out of him and she's and she's giving the emotion man how can you not just feel that i mean my eyes welled up i to me it, it like to me that one just really tops rocky one in, in that regard for that reason because he he comes back he comes back to to get the challenge he deals with adversity that almost derails the opportunity and and then finds a way to to get back into the ring via his wife you know encouraging him which was just awesome to see you want it that's such a powerful relationship dynamic is you know the wife or vice versa any 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 one of the spouse encouraging the other one to go and pursue their dreams and to, and to actively 
you know, root for them and to want them to succeed at that, even though it might be not something that they're into or even approve of, which was, which obviously was a, a part of some of the struggle within that relationship too. But um, that that to me is is why I put it at, at number two. The ending again, Moneyball sits at eleven because of the ending, but Rocky Two sits at number two because of that ending, and Karate Kid, Karate Kid because. I want to um, hear this. <laughs> Karate <kidding>. Kid. <laughs> Karate Kid, just the Pat Morita and Ralph Macchio's relationship just continually like grabs you throughout this film for me. It's very and Luke and Yoda. It's very Luke and Yoda. It's it's very it's the mentor and the student. It's it's a stubborn student, uh, um an an arrogant student, but um the fact that they they don't just develop you know, it's it's different from Luke and Yoda. Like you can load a, you Luke and Yoda don't have these moments where they're actually just being friends. You know, and there's moments in the film where Pat Morita and Ralph Macchio are genuinely developing a friendship, a relationship together, where it goes beyond the martial arts. But it's all it all revolves around. It's, it's be, the martial arts are the catalyst of that relationship, and then the catalyst of Ralph Macchio's journey in that film. It, it's really what is the vessel of the film that carries the relationship of of uh, Mr. Miyagi and also carries the, uh, the the relationship of Ralph Macho with himself, gaining confidence and building up that confidence and being a nervous wreck throughout that tournament and even having to deal with Johnny cheating at some point because of the the corrupt, you know, the weird, the weird, um, what you call it, crease. And Crease, you know, having them cheat to win and, and the kids kind of doing it, but also being reluctant about it, but doing it anyways, uh, you know, because it's an authority speaking to them and, and him overcoming that authority in, in desperation with a move that he had barely studied is just so dramatic. And the, the way the way it comes down and and, and Karate Kid 2, I believe the, the beginning of Karate Kid 2 was in the original cut of Karate Kid 1, but they ended up moving that over to Karate Kid 2. Um, the, Pat, the Pat Morita versus... They talking about that scene? Yeah, Pat Morita versus Crease and you know punches yeah, through the Kreese. glass. Um, I believe yeah. that was all shot in the first film, um, but um, but ended up being a a, a terrific uh, precursor in the in the second film. It kind of picks up right where it left left off and just kind of pulls you pulls you back into. It. But anyways, that's for honorable mentions top eleven podcast. So, but yeah, but Karate Kid to me, it just kind of. It's from beginning to end. I think uh, Rudy is one of the ultimate underdog films of all time, but Karate Kid is to me like. Uh, and I was I was younger than Ralph Macchio when I saw the the, the this film because this was 1984, and I saw it you know somewhere. I saw it multiple times within that decade, and still watch it to this day. And even watch the new show uh, that that got reignited on YouTube, which is a, a totally terrifically fun show that that again uh, one of those legacy sequels but a legacy tv series of the original films um, um definitely well worth a watch if you guys if anybody you guys haven't watched it i highly recommend it it was very fun but um but yeah karate kid is the ultimate to me it's the ultimate it's the ultimate like it's it's a bully film it's it's a film right you know has everything going against them his environment he's uncomfortable in his environment he's uncomfortable at his school he's uncomfortable with uh the social aspects he's uncomfortable with the decision his mom made to bring him there he has no friends you know he has to and he and he he ends up finding friendship through his karate master he ends up finding friendship with himself through karate and he ends up um you know excelling 
at, at this at this new sport that that has really grabbed him because of the discipline and all that kind of stuff and he ends up prevailing at the end it would have been cool to have a loss just like some of the other films but i think it, this film works better with him winning at the end uh because of the bully aspect yes, of that, it that that's exactly why that's exactly yeah. why he had he had to best the monster he had to beat mm-hmm. the demon yeah this is a it's a coming of age story it's also a classic man versus monster movie you know, where a, a, a character must overcome um, some sort of elemental force that's bigger and greater than him to achieve uh, the success he wants. So, you know, it, it's very much a man versus monster. Johnny and Cobra Kai, either, I mean, they literally, their signal, their their goal is a, is a snake, is a giant snake, you know, which is very symbolic of man versus monster, um, which is kind of essentially what a bully movie is, um, is a man versus monster story. You know, but the the monster taking the form of a human in in the in a bully story, right? You know, so um, but yeah, I, I know. He, they jumped him. I mean, the the famous Halloween scene where he gets jumped, and that's one of my favorite scenes. Yeah, God, it's, it's so good. It's, it's one of my favorite scenes. It, it is my favorite scene in the whole movie. Just the costumes, the way it goes down, and the fact that and the choreography is actually not that bad. It still holds up pretty well today. It's nothing like you know, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. But uh, it's super fun, and you know it's cool. it's awesome to watch Pat Morita beat the shit out of those kids. <laughs> beat, beat the shit out of kids that are under the age of eighteen. <laughs> yes, he beats. Yeah, he's beating up like sixteen and seventeen year olds, and he's like he's fifty in real life by that time in his life. But I think in the film he's like in his forties or so, or he, I don't know. He looks like eighty in the movie. He does. <laughs> Yeah, he's he's breaking the law. You actually go to jail for that. <laughs> That's actually yeah. pu- a punishable offense. I don't know if it, I it it's probably I don't know. We I don't know if we, you know we, too bad we don't have a stack guy. I don't, I don't know if that's a misdemeanor. That might be a felony. <laughs> if you beat up a group of kids. Uh, come on, you can't have a sports movie without a couple felonies. That's right, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, one thing I want to talk about all three films that all three films have, all of our top number ones all directed by John Avildsen. All the same director. All of them John Avildsen. So I think that is worthy of note because John Avildsen does a wonderful job in both Rocky and in Karate Kid of capturing the feeling of the underdog, the the, the man against the world. And the last thing I wanted to touch on about this was I think the reason baseball and boxing make for the best sports films is because boxing is very easy it's one man it's one man's journey there's the physical fight of it i mean he's literally fighting for his life in the sport and then baseball is a team sport it's 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 more of a solo sport masquerading as a team sport and so there's a very solo aspect to it it's always one-on-one well yeah the the pitcher pitcher the pitcher versus the hitter is the sad same thing right yeah yeah, it's the one-on-one nature of it, and, I, and it's why these two sports in particular tend to dominate. Um, it really, it really comes down to just the 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 style of both sports, and why there's also a lot of golf movies. The the, the style of these sports lend themselves really well to filmmaking. You know, they're easy to shoot. It's always it tends to be one-on-one or just one person if you're talking about golf, um, and that's why they it really works as a as a style of a sports movie it's that's why it well works i think so if i think if, i think if you just think about it from a, a cinematography standpoint or just a visual standpoint if you're doing like a tennis movie it, that, that back and forth can can probably be dizzying depending on how you're shooting it and if you're trying to capture just the the you know one of the two tennis players 
it's, you're not going to really see half the things that are going on in the, in, in the event, you know, whereas in baseball, you don't have to show all 18 guys. You can just show the pitcher and the hitter. Um, and you get to see that relationship and that marriage. Um, you know, you look at, you know, major league and major league two and, you know, the, the climactic moments are both at, you know, at bats at the end of games and, um, you know, uh, you know, M Moneyball is one of the few movies where it's not really dependent on that, although they use the Hattie Burgett bat to be kind of the quintessential, um, you know, uh, moment of the film, um, because that was the, the key, the key play in that. But, you know, you know, the natural, you know, the at bat that hit where he hits the light tower. I mean, all these baseball movies, it comes down to one at bat. And that makes it very similar to boxing in that it's that just one versus one relationship. 100%. We are in total agreement. Absolutely. So, um, did, Rudy, did you already break down your three? I can't. I'm, no, it's I'm all right. It's, uh, yeah, my turn. So, Moneyball. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. Directed, I know, I we I, I, you talked a lot in Ray. Sorry, Ray. Directed by uh, Bennett Miller, written by Aaron Sorkin. Steven Zalian, I don't know how to say that, starring Brad Pitt, Jonah Hill, Philip Sumer Hoffman, Robin Wright, Chris Pratt, Stephen Bishop. Uh, love Moneyball. Moneyball is one of the most interesting and unique sports movies because Moneyball is all from the perspective of the GM. And it really comes down to how he is handling uh, the team. And that is really unique. I, I can't draft day tried to do it. Um, you know, they weren't nearly as successful. Um, but Moneyball is so interesting. You've got the sharp, sharp dialogue of Aaron Sorkin. That ending to me, Raymond, that, that you don't like and which dropped it all the way to 11 is so Aaron Sorkin. He just can't. He just has this. He has this cynicism about his writing that just it, he, he just can't escape it. This is how he writes. You know, he's got a very cynical perspective on the world a very 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 bright great dialogue but very cynical and uh, i just love moneyball i love the perspective it takes i love brad pitt's performance i love all the performances and it's just a really it's just like it's just one of those rare sports movies where it's like we're we're gonna follow the the similar template they don't go all the way which i think is a very cool very rocky s because that's actually what happened <laughs> that that's real life at the same time but at the but also they just came at it from the perspective of the front office, which is something you never see. And I love the originality, and it's why it made the top three. It was one of the best movies of that year. I think it's one of the best sports movies ever, and that's why I put it in my top three. Rudy, I mean, what can I say that hasn't already been said? Directed by David Anspaugh, written by Angelo Pizzo, starring Sean Astin, Charles S. Dutton, John Favreau. Um, th these, this is the I would I agree with you, Candlestick Will. If Rock, if the if in the alternate universe where Rocky doesn't exist, I think Rudy is probably the greatest underdog underdog um, sports movie of all time. I always say that Rudy is the greatest underdog sports football movie of all time. Like it's the number one. I cry like a baby every single time. My dad and I once watched it together. Rudy's United, crying our t our our eyes out. This movie brings me to tears. It also really happened, just like Moneyball and just like Ali. Like the last the, the those four through two for me all really occurred. And um, that was important for me. And I think that it's, it is, it, you know, obviously the iconic chant, my name, very biased on those sides. But it is uh, it also the school where Joe Montana went. Joe Montana was actually on the team. I don't really like his interviews about this this story. He's kind of, you know, he's he's poked a little fun at it. But well, I mean, Ru 
Rudy Rudy Rudiger is also full of crap about what actually happened, but the movie yeah. is still yeah the, the movie's, movie's great. Awesome, but, the movie's great. The, the real story, yeah, the, <laughs> not, the real, not, the real not story cool. is nothing is nothing like the yeah. movie. But yeah. if you if you can get like like you know people that complain about like the hurricane being you know not completely accurate or or Rudy not being completely accurate, it's like if you can separate that for a minute, the movie itself is a beautiful film. Exactly. Um, but exactly. like when. When he was being carried off at the end of the game, they weren't carrying him off because of how much they loved him. They were carrying him off as like a joke, of like, "Hey, look at you getting that tackle," you know, whatever. It's like so, um, you know, it it the way that the teammates perceived perceived him is nothing like what actually happened. But that being said, it doesn't mean that the scene where all the players are bringing their jersey in and say, "I want Rudy to suit up for me." isn't an incredibly beautiful scene. It is. Even though it you didn't know? happen, and, it's a beautiful scene. Exactly. And so it's like, you know, if when you when you look at movies based on a true story, if if you're going to be upset about them taking liberties with the with the, the direction of the film, you know, Aaron Sorkin talks about it all the time. It's like, I'm going to change something if it's better for the movie to make it a better movie. You know, I'm going to if I'm starting from a foundational place of based on a true story, that doesn't mean I have to stick to something that you know, actually happened if I can find something that's a little bit better version of, uh, you know, for a movie because it's better visually or it's, it's a better dialogue. Um, you know, Tom Hanks was interviewed one time and he's like, when I meet with people that are real life people and I'm going to portray them, I go to them and I say, I'm going to do things you never did. I'm going to say things you never said. And we're going to, you know, are you okay with that? You know, and it's like, because that's where you got to start from is like, this is not going to be a document uh, or a, a documentary. And, you know, I, I think if you can get over that, you know, Rudy is actually a pretty incredible film. Um, some people like to, you know, stress over the, the details of the film. Agreed. Totally. And then number one, Rocky, uh, directed by John Avildsen, written by Sylvester Stallone, starring Sylvester Stallone, Talia Shire, Carl Weathers, Burgess Meredith. Burt Young and music by the iconic Bill Conti, the I think the most iconic sports soundtrack of all time, the most iconic theme, the Rocky theme. Uh, this again, as we mentioned earlier, another Avildsen film, and it, no, I think that is no coincidence. He, I, Rocky became the blueprint for all sports movies after, and it, they had done underdog sports movies before, but Rocky is the the Star Wars, it's the Godfather, it's the, it's the, um, it's the movie that then that it, the Halloween, you know, like the the all the like Star Wars Halloween, and let's say and what I what it was the other one I just I just mentioned Star Wars Halloween, what was the other one I just mentioned? Godfather. Uh, Godfather. Like all three of those movies, right? When they when they're released, they then in turn become not just the standard bear, but become the template for every movie in that genre going forward, right? They literally invent a whole template and that just becomes what it is, right? Die Hard did the same thing, right? We were talking about that earlier in action. And as Jaws, that's, Jaws is a good one for that. Yeah, like these movies, Rocky became it's the a blueprint. sports fishing film, all gone bad. <laughs> <laughs> or just, the, I mean, the, the summer blockbuster, the thriller, you know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The way That's the way also... you market the way you market films, you know, for the summer blockbuster stuff like that. Hundred percent, hundred percent. And um, the Rocky became the sports movie by which all other sports movies are judged, and 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 it's the sports movie that 
was so influential every other sports movie since is basically just doing their version of Rocky in some form or another, especially if you follow the template that I've talked about that, that I've stuck very strictly to when developing this list. Every film on this is doing their version of Rocky. I'd say maybe Field of Dreams is probably the, the furthest out from from that, but because um, uh, it's also, like I said, a, a ghost story. But it's just so iconic. He doesn't win. And that, to me, is one of the most powerful parts. He loses. He doesn't win. That's what happens in real life. That's what happens in real life. He doesn't win. But I do it love is... that about Rocky. I love that and, about Rocky. And, and, it, and, you know, speaking of Rudy being based on a true story, Rocky's based on a true story. You know, It is. Yeah, that's, and I think that's um, the what's actually pretty remarkable about the film and the fact that, you know, he made it um, – to be based on not only the the true story of the the fight with Muhammad Ali and uh, I believe it's Chuck Webner, um, and and how he Webner just wanted to be able to go the full fifteen with the champ, like he wasn't even looking to win or trying. I mean, he obviously wanted to win, but the, the idea of being able to go toe to toe with the greatest fighter in the world and take him fifteen rounds was the victory, and so he made he made Rocky be about that where it's, it had to go down to a decision and it goes with the champ and that's not a big shock. And Muhammad Ali won that fight, but Muhammad Ali got his brains kicked in. And so when Rocky saw that, or when Sylvester Stallone saw that, he's like, that's a great movie. And, and then to, to make the movie in 1976, which could connect to the um, bicentennial of the, of the, of the, of America. And they connected it to, you know, Hey, we're, you know, the U S was born in Philadelphia. And so, Let's, you know, let's find Philly's, you know, you know, Philly's own to have be the challenger, you know, pick a, you know, random boxer to, to face the champ. You know, like the, the way the storytelling came apart was like a, a perfect, uh, perfect mix of everything. It really was the the training montage. I mean, almost every most of most all great sports movies have some some crazy training montage that training montage became iconic they built a statue to Sylvester Stallone on the staircase which i think they've now moved which is a bummer but still uh i guess if you put Nick Foles there it's fine but uh the it there's, there's just so this film's influence is so far reaching i think the rocky series i mean if the rocky had 11 movies we could do a top 11 on just the rocky movies rocky 1 through 4 and creed for me could have easily filled up five of these spots and I just would rank where they sit. Uh, but I mean, I did get Creed, Rocky 2, and Rocky all in my top 11. Three, three movies from this franchise made my top 11, two into Raymond's. And so that, you know, and then one into yours. So you've got it. I mean, out of these, out of this list, three, uh, five, six, six times is a Rocky film mentioned in, in our list. And that's a, that's a lot. And for it to, for it to be able to morph throughout the decades, I think, is also brilliant. But it, again, it all starts right here with Rocky and Sylvester Stallone. You know, uh, refused to give up the role. He took a lot less money, and it defined his career. It was one of the most defining movies of the seventies. One of the He's greatest. Still films. making money off that franchise. Still making money. One of the most greatest films of all time. One of the greatest, and I. I Put it as number one as the greatest sports movie of all time, and not just my opinion. I, some, there are whole chunks of these movies that are my and my personal uh, greatest of all time, but I think Rocky 
without doubt, is the greatest sports film ever made. And I, outside of my opinion, I think it, like as I mentioned, it's The Godfather, The Star Wars, The Halloween. It is the the movie that defines this entire genre of storytelling. It is the one. It's the goat. So yeah, that's that's my piece on Rocky. Candlestick, Will, your your top three. So Million Dollar Baby, um, just incredible film, uh, best film of 2004 in my opinion. Um, Hilary Swank is just in, uh, stunning in that role. Um, she's absolutely incredible as uh, um, a boxer, just trying to become a boxer. And you know, she also took a stab at the Karate Kid too. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and uh, you know, so she's a, a sports sports Hall of Famer, uh, as it were. Um, but the uh, but the film is just incredible. Um, you know. Clint Eastwood and Morgan Freeman are both both pretty brilliant in it, and uh, but Hilary Swank really just you know steals steals every scene, and her her role in that movie is really incredible, and it's 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 such a gut wrenchingly sad movie, um, the the way that it, it ends, and and just the the story of of that her character and the way her family treats her and the way she's viewed and how um, Clint Eastwood is basically the you know the, the grumpy grandfather who you know, he's not literally her grandfather, but plays kind of that grumpy grandfather role of just, you know, the last thing he wants to do is help this, you know, female boxer try to become a boxer. And the the love and bond that they form throughout the film is just, um, you, you just get completely sucked in and uh, it's such a tragic uh, ending, but um, just a beautiful film. And, uh, and then number two for me, Field of Dreams. Uh, I, I think I've seen this movie maybe a thousand times. Um, you know, it's it's one of the most incredible films ever made. I, it, I, in in, the, in all the movies I've seen, I've seen o- over four thousand films. I have it ranked nineteenth overall. Um, I, I just it's one of my favorite films. It's one of the most beautifully um, made films. It's incredibly written. It's funny. It's it's touching. It's got maybe the greatest ending in the history of films. Uh, James Earl Jones. Um, monologue is one of the most uh, iconic in, in any sports film ever um, and it, it just tells the the beautiful story of how baseball can bring us all together and uh, you know the, the the story of the little used Archie Graham and the story of the uh, you know the, the the iconic scenes with Burt Lancaster and, and just the story of trying to hold hold on to a, a memory of your father that you have even if you didn't have a good relationship and then trying to rekindle that relationship there's not a single person out there that can't relate to wanting to have one more day with someone they've lost and, and what that would be like. And, um, you know, when you, when Rudy, when you mentioned how some, some films on these, on these lists aren't necessarily sports movies, you can certainly make the argument that Field of Dreams is more, more of a father and son film than it is, a, than it is a baseball movie. Um, because that to me at its core, it's just really a story about a, a lost son who has been lost his whole life because he's always felt like he didn't have a father. And in reality, he just never let his father be a father and the father didn't know how to be a father. So it, they, they always butted heads, but they always regretted that relationship, you know, never being what it could have been. And being able to have a second chance is one of the most beautiful things you could possibly do for any, for anybody's, you know, you know, idea of what, life could be you know being you know i think that's the whole reason that people believe in heaven because they they just want to have one more day with the people they care about 
and it's not even about trying to live longer it's just trying to have have one more conversation or have you know one one more uh one more moment with the people we've lost and so the, the way that movie is shaped and the way that the story is told is one of the most beautiful things i've ever seen um and you know rudy and i have the same number one you know i've, I've already kind of talked about my feelings about rocky but it, it's the it's the greatest underdog story ever told it's so the, the making of the film is incredible the fact that Sylvester Stallone, you know, basically took nothing um, to, you know, insist that he star in the film when he was a nobody um, that had written a movie that people wanted, but, you know, they wanted an actual, you know, a real actor to, to play the role. And, and he basically was a broke actor who was just hoping for a chance and, and had this basically, you know, throw everything at this movie and then to turn into an A-list, you know, superstar actor the rest of his career um you know because of this of, of this uh this movie it's it's actually that that story is actually almost as cool as the movie itself um but it it really is it's one of the greatest films i've ever seen and it, it to me it's it's one of the greatest underdog stories ever told you know sports or otherwise um and uh and for me i got, i i said field of dreams was, was 19th all time Rocky for me is 10th all time. I mean, they're, to me, they're two of the 20 greatest films I've ever seen in my life. And, uh, and so for me, Rocky is, is far and away the best sports movie I've ever seen. I love it. I love it. Uh, great lists. And you're right. You know, I'll be honest, uh, Kenneth Swook, you are right. Field of Dreams probably, based on my template, uh, does not fit the list, and because of that, I am throwing it off the list. And Bloodsport <laughs> is moving to number five. <laughs> Blood as long sports. as as long as as long as we've established that Bloodsports can be on somebody's list, that's the most important. Thing. Yes, yeah. it is a fish. It is is it meets every criteria of a sports. <laughs> it film. really does. Well, you know, it's, we, just, it's we, just the most violent of every film we've talked well, we, about. We 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 love we love the the rigor. We we talk about the their their great podcasts and um one of the one of the best uh podcast formats they've they've done is Shea Serrano's um villains podcast and he had a great episode with about Bloodsport um about one of the great great movie villains of all time and uh and you know Bloodsport for what it is it's actually a pretty hilarious movie and a pretty fun movie to to rewatch um and in reality it's like there at the end of the day, you, you want to make one of two films. You either want to make a film that has real power and meaning, you know, and says something the way that Field of Dreams or Rocky does, or you want to make just a movie that's fun and worth throwing on for an hour and a half, like a movie like Bloodsport, where there's there it is not trying to win an Oscar, but it's it's got entertainment. And if you if you like fight sequences, then you know here here's a, here's a movie for you. And if you you like a movie that doesn't uh, have to make you think too, think too hard then here's a movie you can watch whenever well, i'll you even know, throw it, an it, honorable mention to the honorable mention of kick of uh blood sport which is kickboxer there right. you go yeah, <laughs> I, I will say this if you if you look at blood sport blood sport's like let's do rocky take all the heart out of it but keep the training montages the <laughs> the, the violence up the violence and add and and uh, the underdog story and let's 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 make it about muay thai like well, that and well, and that in reality is, I mean, we, we we mentioned it already too, but you know, Rocky basically, if it if Rocky didn't invent the montage, it made the the montage almost a necessity for any sports movie, because it's it's what, um, you know, uh, 
the Trey Parker and Matt Stone obviously, you know, mocked it a little bit with their, you know, montage uh, in Team America World Police. But, you know, but it, but it, it, they were also being true. It's like, it's a great way to show you the passage of time and, and get through, you know, a sequence of someone not being very good at something. And then, you know, two minutes later in the film, they're suddenly really good at it because they've, you know, gotten six months of work in two minutes. Um, but at the same time, you know, Rocky's, uh, Rocky One's montage is really great. And to your point, Ray, earlier, Rocky Two is probably the best montage in sports movie history. Yes. Um, oh, you know, it's because, so good. Love it. Because as good as the first one is, because it was the first, the second one has you know everything that you described. It has Talia Shire saying, "I want you to do something for me. I want you to win." It has the the um, Burgess Meredith saying, "Well, what the hell are we waiting for?" And then it has Rocky doing this, you know, essentially the same type of montage as Rocky One. And then when he goes to do his run everyone knows him now because he fought the champ and so everyone in philadelphia knows knows who he is so all these kids start running with him and you have one of the most iconic you know end of a montage has ever ever filmed and um and it's just incredible and so and you know the uh, one thing i wanted to add to with rocky too is that it actually is a pretty beautiful film of two guys trying to get away from the fight and they can't you know, Rocky wanted to try to retire and just be a person and he couldn't find a way to work. He couldn't find anyone that would, would help him. And he just, and he ended up just, you know, picking up after, you know, guys spit at, you know, the, the boxing club because he didn't want to box and couldn't find work anywhere else. So he was doing the lowest possible job he could because he was just trying to make money so that he didn't have to box because he was worried about, you know, what another fight would do. And, and then uh, Apollo Creed, everyone's saying just move on fight someone else and he couldn't get away from the fact that you know people thought he lost and he wanted to fight rocky again knowing that you know he had to try to avenge that loss and that crippled him because he never could get a, get away from that and to show that those two relation that or that relationship forging back into a, a second fight was actually one of the best versions of a sequel we've ever seen because you don't usually see it that way. You know, a movie like Major League Two is just, let's get some of the same characters and have more fun with them. You know, in Rocky Two, you actually had what was a pretty sophisticated plot um, for two guys that just couldn't get away from each other. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with that too, which was really cool. They, they, get, they get dragged. It's like the world pulls them back to do this again. And it felt exactly. very organic and not very not forced in any way, shape, or form. But uh, but yeah, my apologies to Field of Dreams. Bloodsport, you're number five now. You've gone all the way up. Congratulations, <laughs> Bloodsport. Congratulations. <laughs> all right. Uh, any final thoughts, guys? No, I, I just I you know I, I haven't. Is is there a sports movie out right now in from 2019? I I don't think I've even seen one. Um, Creed Two is the last one I know of. But that's I think that was 2018, right? So I, I yeah we gotta we gotta get some more sports movies. There's so many you know there's so many incredible uh, opportunities for based on a true story. You know there's so many amazing tales out there. You know someone can write a movie about Kurt Flood or or Buck O'Neill or I mean there's there's so many amazing you know uh, sports figures out there. And and who who wouldn't want another sports movie if it's done well? You know it's I think there's we gotta have more. Because I think we're we're at we're at a time now where we just aren't seeing as many. 
I think I think um, the 2010 Misfits run of the Giants is just begging for a movie with some young guy to play Tim Lincecum and kind of seen through the eyes of him and well, Boach. That is just well, Sam and Sam begging. Elliott to play Boach. Yeah, begging, begging for a movie. I might have to write yes. that, guys. I might have to write. Sam, that. I'll throw that. Well, on I mean, the list. Sam, Sam Elliott. Sam Elliott is is Bochy, and then and then you move on from there. You know, you, you can yeah. you can get a bunch of get a bunch of no names to to play the 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 fear the beard and and Lincecum and Kane and whoever else you want. You know, Pablo and uh, whoever else you want to include. You know, Juan Uribe, Edgar Renteria. Um, you know, get whoever you want, but you just have Sam Elliott be the manager, and you go and you go with it. Yep, I, I think the twenty ten. 2010's Giants run, just asking for it. And then um, any movie involving uh, the Patriots scandals, that makes a great movie, too. None of their wins. Yes. I just want let's, the scandals. Let's take a deep dive into the <laughs> deep dive into all the cheating that went down. All the that. cheating. All, in fact, you just, you just and, how many, and, and let's let's also get it. I really want to see have them get into like how many Super Bowls were affected by by the cheating so we can really have an understanding of how many wins are illegitimate (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i love it i love it all right uh great list we will be back very soon with another top 11 podcast we'll be revealing the new the uh new list what will be on very soon so keep an eye on our social media um top 11 podcast it's at Top eleven podcast. Yeah, and, sh- and send us send us your ideas and send us your lists. We'd love to. We'd yeah, love to take, both. Take yeah. from, we'd love to take from uh, from the audience if they have some good ideas um, for some topics. Absolutely. So concludes another edition of the Top Eleven Podcast. It is the only podcast with eleven because eleven is better than ten. I'm your host Rudy Salisa Third, and with me is my brother, my co-host. Raymond Salisa first, baby. And our esteemed co-hosts. Candle, stick, will. Boom! We'll see you next time. Same Top 11 time, same Top 11 channel. This is, this is the Gold Cast.